Today I'm going to deviate from some of the natural rhythm that maybe I would normally speak with. And the reason I'm doing it is because I believe, just as I spent time worshiping, I just believe the Lord has given me a word for us. So if you don't mind, one of our values is that our structures and our plans submit to the Spirit of God. So I just felt like this week, Amen. Amen. Before we get going, family is is really important to us. Community is important. I just want to say hi, Desi. How you doing? Desi is uh, here from Oaxaca. He is our missionary that is down there, lives down there. He's up here, and uh, I can't wait. I just saw him this morning when I walked in, so we haven't even had a chance to embrace. So I'll, I'll give you a hug here from stage. I'll see you afterwards. I just wanted to say hi. I just want to acknowledge him. Thank you. And the reason I'm saying that is, is I just want to thank all of you for your tremendous support. Um, it, it, it's not, I want you to understand that there's people behind what it is that you are generous toward. And uh, you guys have been to such huge support to Desi. It's not, it's not the movement church. It's not the building, it's not an organization, but you've been wildly and tremendously uh, generous toward him and toward what it is that I believe, and Desi, I know that you believe what God is doing in reviving the spirit of a nation, of a city, of a region. And so um, I just think you're doing an amazing job, and I think our family, thank you for supporting him in that. Amen? Haha. <laughs> Let me give some backdrop. I feel like the best way to do this is for me to just, uh, I guess, download to you a little bit of what I feel like the Lord has been speaking about as we've been walking through worship. I'm going to read Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read the first handful of verses, then I'm going to jump to the end of Acts chapter 2. I'm going to bookend it. And then I'm going to tell you what I feel like the Lord, simply what I feel like the Lord is, has been saying. And then I'm going to walk through some of this and give us, because my goal is to always give us something practical. I think saying like, hey, I feel like this is what the Lord is saying is good, but I also want to give you some practical steps and, and what that means. In this part of uh, the book of Acts, this is, Jesus has been crucified. Jesus has been resurrected. Jesus has been spending time with his disciples. And at this point, he has told them in the first chapter of Acts, he has told them that he wants them to wait in Jerusalem and to not leave that place. And this is the key. He wants them to wait. He says, don't leave until I send you the promise until the Father sends you the promise. And what we're going to find out here in a second is, is the promise that the Father sent to the disciples as they waited in Jerusalem is the person of God's presence named Holy Spirit. Now, this is important. Um, we hear this term a lot. We hear God's presence. And this can seem very ethereal. It can seem very like presence, like a fog or a mist. Um, 
but I want us to understand that God's presence is a person. That God is a father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, it's the personhood of God's presence manifest for us. And we're going to see in a second that Holy Spirit shows up in a physical, tangible way. And so Jesus says, I want you to wait. And it just so happens that the place that we're about to read in Acts chapter two, where the disciples are waiting is in an upper room. And it's the same upper room that they had the last supper. There's this very very famous, we've seen it in paintings. We've seen it in pictures. We've seen it depicted where Jesus sits around with his disciples and he has this last meal with them before he is put to death. This is the same upper room that we find the disciples in as we read this. In chapter two, it says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Now, I want you to know that it was about 120 people is what historians can tell. There was about 120 people that were waiting. And suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. This, this idea of them speaking in other languages, speaking in other tongues, it's where you will hear in Houses of Faith, we talk about speaking in tongues. And I, I want you to know, I, I, believe, I believe tongues is for today. I believe it's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in us, on us, and with us. The people that see this happen think that they're drunk and they start to give inquisition and, and Peter says some things to them. He delivers this, this amazing response and at the end of this response calls people to repentance, calls people to follow Jesus and it says in verse 41 of Acts chapter 2, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping forward for time's sake, and it says that at that time three, like over 3,000 people were added to their number. Now, this is important because it's beginning to tell a story of what happens when we're willing to wait in that waiting room for the personhood of the Father called Holy Spirit. And in, in, in Acts 42, let's read this because this is going to tell us what the outcome is. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They did what? They worshiped together. At the temple each day, they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. 
I believe what the Lord has been speaking to me about is, is that um, we're, we're, we're in a, a bit of a frantic time. Um, we can feel, we can feel there's, there's a lot of open-endedness, right? We've talked about this. I don't, I don't need to belabor this. I feel like what the Lord has been saying is, is that I'm calling you as an, like as individuals, but as a community, as people, he's calling us back to the waiting room. He's calling us back to a place of waiting on him. And I love this because the disciples were waiting as Jesus had instructed them in this upper room. And Jesus, at, from time to time, would get away to escape into the wilderness, into, it says, lonely places in Luke 5.15. Yet the news about him spread all the more. What was happening at this point of the history of Jesus' life is that miracles and signs and wonders began to happen. And the news, he became more popular. People knew about him. And it's just so the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places or to wilderness places and he prayed. That word prayed, it means to worship. I also want to say that I feel like what the Lord is saying is that he wants to remind us that worship is there is a massive part of what worship is that I, that I will tell you, if you look historically in the Bible, is music. If you read the Psalms, if you read David, if you read when people would respond to what God would do, they would respond in song. I think it's a huge part, but I think there's a big part that we miss oftentimes that is as big, if not equally or more, in its prayer. Prayer is worship. And over the next couple of weeks, I, I'm probably going to walk us through some different forms of, of worship to get our mindsets set in a place where we don't just see worship as the 15 minutes, uh, the, the three songs, or the 30 minutes, or that album that just came out from your favorite worship band. Um, we, we, I feel like there's a bit of a, a realignment that God has for us. And so what he's saying is, I'm calling you to the waiting room. Just like I would call Jesus away to wait. Where we can worship, we can pray, and we can seek Holy Spirit. So the idea is, is that God is calling us to the waiting room, while my sense is, is at the same time society is calling us to the war room. I've had so many conversations with people that we approach what we're doing is we just need to go into the war room and we need to come up with strategy. And I feel like what God is saying, no, no, I need you to go into the waiting room so that you can actually walk out with my spirit. And we need strategies, but they need to be Holy Spirit inspired. They don't need to be war room inspired. God's goal is that we would go into the waiting room and we would come out marked the way that the 120 did. And we need to be marked by that. We need to be marked by the power in God's presence, Holy Spirit. And too often, I think what happens is, is that, you know, and I'll, I'll put this on myself, I, I walk out of my war room motivated, but I don't walk out marked. 
Worship in this waiting room is a call to intimacy rather than to a taking up of arms. And so when I say waiting room, there's a lot of images that you could have. Uh, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at a baby in front of me and, and surely you could go into a hospital and be in the waiting room, right? You could also be in the waiting room because of an emergency, an accident. Uh, there's all types of waiting rooms, you know? God forbid you're in the waiting room in the DMV. But I, I want us to be clear that I, I feel like what the Lord is saying is I'm calling you as a people. That God is saying, I want you. It's a me worship in the waiting room, but it's, a, it's more importantly, I feel like this word is, it's a we worship together, like the 120 in the waiting room. What is the byproduct of this? Uh, I think this is important. I think we have to understand what's at stake and what's at play. Uh, number one, I'm going to walk through a couple things kind of methodically because I want it to be practical for you. Uh, worship in the waiting room unifies. Uh, in a world right now that is screaming for unity. You know, I, as I listen to reports in the news and I, I read media, it's very, it's very fascinating to me that one of the biggest things that I'm hearing is, is the amount of time. Literally, they're, they're placing a number of days or years that it's going to take for the United States to come back to a place where, as humans in our humanity, we're, we're back on the same page. And I can't help but feel and then... I can't help but tell you it's not going to work because we need God. And we, we need the power of Holy Spirit that comes out of the waiting room. We don't need war room agendas. We need waiting room affection. It says in Acts 2.42, it says all the believers were devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer, and to prayer, worship. This word devoted is to adhere to one, to a person. Uh, it gives me the idea of like being Velcroed, or better yet, being super glued to each other. They were adhered to one another. Not just in speech, but in practice. It means to wait on a person continually. And so it's this picture that as they were devoted to one another, not only were they willing to wait on Holy Spirit and what the promise was that Jesus said the Father was sending them, but then out of that, the byproduct was they were willing to also wait on one another. And I wonder how often I'm willing to wait on you. It reminds me, I just get this image as I say that of like those funny camp games where you have the three-legged race and it's impossible for you to win the race if you don't wait on the other person. If you just try to run out ahead, you're just going to trip and fall. I, I, I just feel a strong sense that right now what the Lord is saying is there is a picture of humanity. You are not willing to wait on one another, but you don't understand that you're tied to one another. And so it's important that we remain devoted. 
It's important that we show up on our online campuses. It's important that we show up for, you know, Bible study, whether it's in person or online campus. It's important that we show up and we still serve. It's important that we show up with one another. It's important that moms got together at a park last week and hung out. These things are important because we're bound, we're tied, we adhere to one another, we're devoted to one another. And so worship in the waiting room, it actually, what ends up doing, it puts us in the same presence of God, Holy Spirit, and one another. And the byproduct is, it ends up putting us on the same page. But too often, we will say our communities are predicated on being on the same page first. And I'm telling you God is calling us into the waiting room because he wants our communities to be founded on being in his presence. And as far as I can tell, that is not where we're at. And so worship in in the waiting room places our focus on Jesus. It puts our focus on Jesus rather than on ourselves. And when our focus is on Jesus, we have this clarity of who Jesus is. We begin to be able to squash the pride and the arrogance of being overly focused on ourselves. Are you with me this morning? And so I just feel God is calling us back to unity. But unity is an overflow from a community that's devoted to waiting on him in worship and prayer. Number two, worship in the waiting room increases. It increases. Simply put, Acts 2, 43 through 47, the followers of Jesus, now this, and in, in, by verse 42, there's approximately 3,120 because it started with 120 in an upper room. It said 3,000 were added to their number. So there's 3,120. So I think God cares about increase and I think he cares about every single head. He cares about every heart. And so this is what the followers saw an increase in. They saw an increase in signs and wonders. They saw an increase in sharing. They saw an increase in serving. They saw an increase in time spent with one another. Intimacy, personal intimacy with one another. They saw an increase in worship. They saw an increase in prayer. They saw an increase in joy. And they saw an increase in generosity. If we saw an increase in those things in our communities, but this is important. The followers of God in this historical account had God's presence to keep in step with. They didn't have programs to steer them. 
Here's what, here's, here's where I'm going with this. It is possible to set up programs that work, but I feel like what God is saying is, is that I want you to actually have the work come out of being in my presence. As, as I filter through Acts 2, I wonder something. I've asked this question. Why can't we, why, why can't, like, what's it going to take for the church to look like Acts 2? Getting in the waiting room and worshiping and being in prayer and waiting on the power of Holy Spirit. Because we need Holy Spirit's power. We don't need the programs. Now, God will give us divine strategies. I understand structure. And, and I will repeat to you, I believe, and we, we have a value here that structure submits to spirit. So I believe God can give us divine plans and structures, but all the while those things have to be submitted to the Holy Spirit moving however Holy Spirit wants to move. I believe God's calling us back to a, a community that's centered on placing the worship of God in the middle of things. Because ultimately, I, I think, and this leads to the third thing, is that worship in the waiting room reproduces. It says each day in verse 47, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This word added means to repeat. It doesn't just mean a one time, like one plus one. It's like one plus one. And there's a sum, but then there's plus one. But then it becomes multiplication. Because every one goes out and meets a one. And so the idea is, is that there's 3,120 and now daily, each one of those 3,120 can go out and meet one. This is why I bring this up because if the waiting room is actually a place of intimacy, I have to tell you that intimacy is reproductive and our programs that I think the church over the last 40 years have developed are productive but only intimacy is reproductive. Are we in the, are we in, are, are, are you or myself as individuals and are we collectively in the intimate places, the waiting rooms? What are the waiting rooms that you're placing yourself in? What are you becoming intimate with? And ultimately that will tell you what you're reproducing. And, and the followers of 3,120 at this point, I have to tell you something. They were reproductive. They reproduced who they were. And who were they? They were presence-centered, Holy Spirit-driven, committed to being adhered to one another, the supernatural superglue that puts the unity in community, that brought the increase... It was God's spirit. It was Holy Spirit. It wasn't necessarily strategy. And now there was multiplication. 
And in the very beginning of scripture, it says that God in Genesis, he looked at man and he said, be fruitful and do what? Multiply. He has called us to this reproductive nature. And separate from God, I will tell you, I will agree with you, I will acknowledge that separate from the power of Holy Spirit, we can be productive, but with the presence of God, with Holy Spirit, we can be reproductive in a way that this world is desperately seeking. Remember, God wants to mark us. There are people listening even to this right now, that don't have a bearing on a relationship with God. And I'm telling you, some of you are listening right now because you're looking for something. But you're not looking for the strategies of the world any longer because ultimately those have proven to fail. And God is calling us back to a waiting place. And people... At this time, when, when this was written, this account, I believe people were able to see the affection of Jesus' followers. And that's what the attraction was. And too often what we've done, especially as houses of faith, is we've built an attraction, hoping to pull people into affection. And God is calling us back to this waiting place to say, this is, I, I, want, I want to have affection with you. I want intimacy with you. And out of that place, you will have affection. And the world is attracted to affection. How affectionate am I being? How affectionate are we being together? John 13, 34. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. This is what Jesus is saying. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. He's calling us back into the waiting room. And I believe, now I'm going to say this. I'm going to wrap up here in a second. I'm going to have, um, if Joby can just come out and play some, some waiting room keys. Listen, in 1 Chronicles 16, the whole entire chapter, I'm not going to read it, but I, I, I want to say this because I think this is part of it. And this is, oh, whatever. This is what it is, what it is. There's this moment that the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, as historically told, has been misappropriated, mishandled, misused, has been stolen and robbed from the nation of Israel. And David, as the chief worshiper, his whole heart, his whole goal is to bring the presence of God, bring where God dwelled. And, and, and so in the Old Testament, God dwelled in this ark, in the ark of the covenant between the wings of this cherubim. And now our hearts are the seat, are the place where the Holy Spirit dwells. So David wanted to bring the presence of God back into the center David was calling the nation of Israel to be in a place where they were coming back to the waiting room and working out of being in the presence of God. So he brings the Ark of the Covenant back into the nation of Israel. And when he does, he dances and he, he cheers. And, and what he does, he does something very interesting. He goes against the grain of what he's been taught and he doesn't take the Ark of the Covenant and he doesn't put it back into the innermost holy of holy places as described in the law. 
he actually builds a tent called the Tent of David. And he, and he tells these worship leaders. In fact, he says, David appointed the following Levites to lead the people in worship before the ark of the Lord, to invoke his blessings, to give thanks and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. And then he names the worship leaders. And what David does is he places the presence of God in the center of everything that happens in the nation. And for 33 years... All the governing of the nation of Israel is done out of what? The waiting place. The waiting room. Now this is important because right now I I feel like what God is doing is he's calling us personally, but he's calling us collectively together to this place where we would take on, and it says in Scripture, now David wasn't perfect. He made some massive mistakes, but it's always strange to me. It says, God, God says about David, he was the one after my heart. Can I tell you what God's heart is this morning? That we would come back to the waiting place. We would come back to a place of intimacy where we would wait on his Holy Spirit. We would prayerfully consider and wait for his plans. Where the overflow of that, the overflow of us worshiping together in the waiting room is that it unifies, it increases, and it reproduces. God is calling us away from agendas and he's calling us into affection here today. And then he wants us to be marked. He's reviving what we were made for. David was after God's heart and and God loved that because David somehow understood that it was only from this place that he could enter in and he could lament and he he could go in with fear. He could go in with wrong motives. If you read in the book of Psalms, he would say, God, my enemies are after me. And he would, he'd say, God, why are the wicked standing and winning? And I want to tell you something. It looks like if you turn on CNN, you turn on Fox News, and if you spend too much time on social media platforms, it looks like the world is winning. It looks like the wicked is winning. And our motives are more out of taking up arms and protesting and and places of worship are not made for protests. They're made to bring the presence of God. And when we bring the presence of God, we don't bring man's agenda. We bring the affection of a father who wants to reach past all of our brokenness. He wants to get past all of our division and all of the things that stand between us, the fences that have been put up. I look at what's happening in our, in our capital right now, and I think the fences and the barriers, the barricades, the agendas of war that are underlying, and God is saying, this is not what I made you for. Humanity will continue to build up, to put arms between and defend and to build walls, and I want to call you into a place of waiting where you worship, where it tears down walls. It dismantles not man's agenda, but the agenda that the enemy, I believe, has for us. 
and we need to quit partnering with the enemy's agenda and we need to partner with God's affection and it's going to take us getting back on our face and getting into a place where we're willing to be intimate with the Father and intimate with one another. We're willing to be vulnerable. We're willing to bear ourselves. We're willing to put down arms. We're willing to open arms. We're willing to come with whole hearts. I will give up everything to see this. I do not want to lead a church. I do not want to lead a ministry. I don't want to lead a home. I don't want to lead a life personally that mimics and mirrors what the world is doing. And it's going to be costly, family. But I am determined that we would be marked by worship and by prayer and by intimacy and we'd be willing to go into the quiet, still places and not just alone, but together. God is calling us. What, when, and how? My question for you this morning is, when and how are you waiting on him? Make this practical. So I'm going to challenge you. Our country, humanity, I don't think this is just about the United States. Please do not let us make this about nationality. Let us keep it as the kingdom. We need to be in worship and prayer. And I want to warn us, not for a time, not for this week because of the tension that's going on around politics. Let that be the catalyst to show us the power of what happens when we go back to this waiting place. So if, if, if this catalyzes and starts something, so be it. But it is not the end. And we need to be in worship and prayer this week. So my challenge to you is this. Take five minutes each day. You can do anything for five minutes. Trust me. Take five minutes each day this week. One week. And you can do anything one time. And I want you to wait on God in prayer as your worship and ask him show me your affection reveal Holy Spirit to me reveal your presence to me and out of that place let's watch how it unifies increases and reproduces amen why don't you stand if you're in a place where you could stand? I took a few extra minutes. Thank you for your patience. Five minutes to be exact. Father, God, let this be a clarion call 
to followers of Jesus and those who may be far in their hearts to know that you are near. Give us an awareness. Give us an awareness of your readiness for us to be immersed in who it is that you are. Let your presence, let your Holy Spirit, let your presence supersede our programs. Let our affection that we throw on you supersede agendas. And God, I ask right now for a supernatural, an overflow, a miraculous release of your Holy Spirit that unifies, increases, and reproduces. God, in our personal lives, here in our little family, but God, we will be after this one thing and we will be after nothing else. Mark us, God. Mark us by our willingness to worship you in the waiting room. We thank you, God, for what it is that you are prepared to do. And we ask you now, have your way. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said amen and amen. If you're on our online campus, be sure to join us in our virtual courtyard. If you need prayer, if you're sensing that there's something God's asking you to do, do it. So reach out. We look forward to seeing you guys soon. Amen and amen.